Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Today, we are joined by ESPN sports reporter Holly Rowe, former Pitt Panther college and NFL head coach and current Fox NFL studio analyst Dave Wanstatt and Cure Bowl Executive Director Alan Gooch. All of today's guests are brought to you by Ticket Smarter, the smarter way to buy tickets. Also joining me, as she does each week, is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, we're entering week nine of the college football season, and bowl season is right around the corner. It's hard to believe the season's flying by so quickly. It is. And it feels uh, so great to be right in the middle of it. Nick, how do you feel things are shaking out? Do you feel like the bowl picture is clearer than it's been in past years or is it just as fuzzy as it's ever been? Well, it's shaping out for sure. We have 30 bowl eligible teams and we we have a a number to go. It's going to be exciting final few weeks for those teams looking to punch their ticket to bowl season. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Angela, but last week there was a nine overtime game Illinois beat Penn State I'm sure you watched every single one of those overtimes I have to say I missed that one I missed that game uh but I do love overtime games they're so much fun and uh, I'll have to go back and, and and check that out but at some point it just gets to be like okay can somebody win this game already absolutely well, it's really exciting today too, uh, Nick, when we talk about our, our lineup, we've had, you know, so many wonderful folks on the show and this week we are welcoming um, a really stellar lineup. You talked about um, our, our first guest, ESPN national reporter, uh, Holly Rowe, who has been a staple on sidelines for more than 20 years. She's done everything from basketball to volleyball, gymnastics, softball, you name it. I love watching her cover uh, softball. That's one of my other favorite sports to watch, but you know, people really know her from her college football coverage. And so she is the best guest to kick off the show today. We're so happy to have Holly Rowe. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. I, your group has been awesome. I remember coming and speaking to your group, um, gosh, a couple of years ago now, but, uh, I'm happy to be here with you. Excellent. Well, you and I haven't visited, uh, in a while, I guess last year, nobody really visited in person, <laughs> uh, but we've known each other for a long time, uh, chatted on the sidelines before many big games, even had a, a dinner at a, after a couple bowl games, I think, but I've always had so much respect for the job that you do and the person you are. So it's, it's really a privilege, privilege to have you on the show. Thanks again. My pleasure. So I really don't even want to talk about last year, but, uh, <laughs> Just in context, after last year, coming into this year, it seems like college football is more popular than ever. Television ratings are breaking records, and the game day atmosphere just looks uh, unbelievable. You've worked games every weekend this year. Describe the atmosphere for us. Yeah, it's been really unbelievable. And I'll tell you this. So if you remember before COVID hit, there were lots of conversations going on about the declining attendance of college football and, you know, what ADs were doing to get people to stay for games and stay in their seats longer and having a better game day experience. And then COVID hit. And I think what it did for us is make us all appreciate how special and precious and unique college football is and that there is nothing in the world like the game day atmosphere of a college football game. And so I think that's what we're feeling this year is, um, relief, excitement, appreciation 
for being able to go to games. I know that I sat on my couch for four months with no sports, um, you know, during our lockdown orders. And I remember just thinking, wow, I have no life outside of sports. And, but now that sports are back, I'm like, I think I'm okay with it because that's how I've built my life and I love it. So yeah, it's back. It feels good. It feels, you know, as normal as possible. And I think it just has given us all a much bigger appreciation of college football and that experience. I think you're right. And it's, it's almost comical now to think that people were wondering that when the, when the pandemic is over and it's not, not completely over, but people were wondering, are fans going to come back? You know, are they, are they going to be willing to go to games in person? And, and boy, have they, they're uh, I think it's that pent up energy uh, like you mentioned that you had coming out of last year. Yeah. And we've missed each other. I know this is going to sound so strange, but like I go to the sidelines and, you know, like you and I used to run into each other on the sidelines so much. And I just go up to people now and I just like hug people and grab people. I mean, we've been homesick for our sports community and our college football community. And I'm just so happy to see everybody again. And I will never take it for granted. I never, you know, I didn't think I did before, but I just think, you know, I just appreciate so much this, this life that we get to live and these exciting games that we get to go to. And it's really precious to me. Yeah. It's definitely given us all a, a new perspective. Now this year will be your first time covering the CFP national championship game uh, uh, on TV. You've, I know you've done radio. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, the most and what are you excited about the most? Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to, to one be there, right? Because these are the biggest games that go down in history. Um, this will be my first CFP national championship game for TV. I lucked out many years ago. This is the most random story, but um, right before the most famous Rose Bowl ever with Texas and USC, Lynn Swan, who was the ABC sideline reporter, decided to run for Congress. And so he couldn't be on television anymore because of the, the rules with political, you know, time and access, all that stuff. So, you know, just a few weeks before that game, I got put on that crew with Keith Jackson and Dan Fouts and Todd Harris. And so I got to work that very famous national championship game between Texas and USC that I still will say is my favorite game I've ever worked in my life at any level. But this is different. And I think the CFP is different because it's a playoff and you go through the semifinal round with people, you know, we go through conference championship Saturday, and then you go through a semifinal game and then you get to the championship game. So it just feels like the road to the championship, we get to be very intimately involved with. And that makes it fun because then you're covering the team and you get to know the stories and you're like really in depth with the people. And I think it makes it a little more special. Holly, you make your job look so easy and, and clearly I'm, I'm, uh, I'm smart enough to know that it's not, uh, what do you feel uh, in a game as big as the CFP national championship is your biggest responsibility in bringing information to the audience? Eyes and ears on the field, period. Um, I, I Nobody really realizes this, or we don't talk about this often, is the role of the sideline reporter. My best work never is me doing it on television. My best work is if I've told the director, hey, this kid's injured. Hey, this coach is going crazy. Hey, there's a, there's a problem down here. What are you seeing? Did you see this flag before we go to commercial? Um, I am the eyes and the ears. And I often think my best work doesn't get on television from me. It gets on television as our team. And I just think that's really important. You know, like I'll try to hit the guys in the break and uh, Todd Blackledge used to be really great with this. And, you know, Chris and Kirk, I'm learning a little more and, and we're getting there. 
of like, hey, such and such is happening. This kid's out. They've had to switch to offensive linemen. Just be aware of that as we move forward, because that's a complicated report that I might not be able to get into, but they can. And so just honestly, just sharing information, I think is my greatest strength and, and eyes and ears and knowing what matters and why I think is a great skill that I have. Now here at Bowl Season Stories, we obviously like to speak to our guests about uh, bowl games and their experiences, whether they played in them, coached in them, just went to them as a fan, worked, uh, worked on them uh, as a member of the media. We're entering week nine of the season. 30 teams uh, have six or more wins and punch their ticket to bowl season. We have 16 more with five wins, so they're just one win away from bowl eligibility. So bowl season's right around the corner. Tell me about some of the more memorable bowl games that, that you've worked or maybe just attended as a fan. So, yeah, I'm one of those interesting fans that growing up, our family went to bowl games. So some years, instead of Christmas presents, we went and had trips and would go on experiences. So I grew up as a BYU football fan and my dad, we had season tickets my father's entire life. And he took us to bowl games around the holidays. And so my family memories and my in intertwined memories as a kid all revolve around bowl season. Often the holiday bowl, that's a bowl that has a lot of special meaning to me because that seemed to be the game that BYU would go to often. I remember going, we drove in our big family suburban down to San Diego from Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, when I say we sat on the last steps of that stadium, of, the, of Jack Murphy Stadium, uh, we, you know, we could look over into the parking lot. We were on the very last row for Penn State versus BYU and loved every minute of it. So that's, that's a really fun memory. And then one other fun memory I have is my dad and I, um, we'd gone to the Holiday Bowl. We drove up to go to Disneyland in Anaheim. And we saw all the Washington fans walking around and my dad and I just got inspired. And so we ended up getting tickets from some fans, drove up to the Rose Bowl, slept out on the parade route the night before in the back of our Suburban, watched the parade and then walked over to the game with Michigan and Washington uh, the year that Desmond Howard won the, the Heisman. So, um, you know, like we lived bowl games. It, that, that's who we were as a family. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that childhood. Those are such great stories, Holly. You know, we, we talk about those types of things a lot. You know, I, I'm one, even though I'm the executive director of bowl season, I'm a big fan of the playoff because I'm a college football fan first, you know, but we, we like to say that there are two components to college football's postseason. There's the playoff component and there's bowl season and whether the playoffs, four teams, eight teams, 12 teams, that's never going to be enough to uh, reward all of the teams that have had a successful season. And, and to hear you tell stories about the impact it's had on you and your family. Uh, you know, you, it makes you think about the, the communities across the country that host the bowl games, the other families that, that go every year uh, as a family tradition and how meaningful it is to all of them. It's really, really pretty cool. Yeah, because there's so many surrounding events in the community, right? So it's not just the game. It's, it's you know, the Rose Parade. It's, um, you know, going to the, the resort, we would go down, we've gone down to Florida games, whether it was the Outback Bowl or the Champ Sports Bowl, and then we go to all the parks, theme parks, and, you know, you build these trips around the games, and it's kind of this cool um, family vacation and cool opportunity, but more importantly, I think it's really fun for the players. I think the older I get, the more I err on the side of what's good for the players, because they're the ones putting their heart and soul out there every play, and players have fun and they get rewarded. And I remember talking to some kids that, you know, they haven't gone on trips or been in such nice hotels or been in such nice resorts or been treated as well. 
in their entire life. These are new experiences and new opportunities for these kids and they never forget it. So I think there's some real, real positives and, and beautiful things that come out of it. Last question, Holly, I, I know you're busy. Uh, later on in this podcast, we're going to welcome Alan Gooch, who's the executive director of the Cure Bowl, which raises money for cancer research. As a survivor of skin cancer, can you speak to the importance of college football embracing and supporting causes like this? Well, number one, I think it's really important because college football is a huge platform. And whether it's, you know, I've seen a ton of players, I think of um, the tight end from Georgia right now, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is doing a fundraiser for um, people with cancer and people who uh, have special needs. You know, there's a lot of platforms around college football where people are raising money for good. But I think a bowl game specifically designated to that is next level. Because I learned in my journey that money that's going into research is the game changer in cancer treatment right now. So I was really lucky to get in through the, the V Foundation with ESPN, the, um, a clinical trial. And that clinical trial is funded by donations to the V Foundation um, or donations from you know, other organizations. And so I think that a bowl game specifically designed to that is, is really important and really big. Um, uh, my dear friend, Dick Vital, I've been texting with this morning. He's going through chemotherapy today and I just, you know, cancer is going to really rear its ugly head. I feel like coming out of this pandemic, because there's so many people who didn't want to go to the doctor, didn't want to go get things checked because of COVID. And I think we're in for the fight of our lives coming out of this pandemic, because we're going to have a surge in cancer and treatments and, and all of these diagnoses because we've been scared to go to the doctor. So I think we've got to buckle up and be prepared for that. And I'm really grateful that a bowl game and, and the bowl association and all of you are really getting behind that because that money to go to research that will actually save lives. Well, Holly, thank you for that. And thank you so much for being on the show and for all you do for college football. We really appreciate it. Good luck to you the rest of the season. Well, thank you. It's, it's a dream, dream come true of mine. I'm this little girl that was going to bowl games at six years old. And here I am all these years later, still loving it. So thank you for having me. And thanks for keeping up all the great work. You're welcome. Great stuff. We are going to take a short break and be right back with former college and NFL head coach, Dave Wanstat. Stay with us. The first goal of every college football team at the beginning of the season is to win six games and qualify for a bowl game. They've punched their ticket and now are officially bowl bound. We're very excited to announce a new tradition with official bowl season gear given out in the locker room moments after winning that sixth game. T-shirts that celebrate the achievement. Fans can join the celebration by going online to bowlseason.com where they can order their own bowl bound t-shirt. Bowl season is a celebration of college football. So celebrate with your team when they become bowl eligible. Really excited about our next guest because Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first guest we've had that can really speak about bowl, uh, bowl experiences from the player and coach perspective, right? That's right. That's right. So uh, Dave Weinstead, if I could just go on and on um, with the intro, he's been an NFL head coach for the Bears, the Dolphins, um, a lot of other jobs within the NFL, currently is uh, an analyst for Fox with the NFL, but he also spent several years as the head coach of Pitt. And we're going to dial into some of those uh, bowl season stories with him this morning. Thank you, Dave, so much for joining us. It's great to be here, Angel. I got to start by just showing you my sweatshirt here, you know, I'm going to show all the uh, viewers there. I got the pit blue uh, right now on. So 
I'm ready to go. <laughs> Dave, thanks so much for joining us. It's so good to see you. Now, if I had to guess, I'd say most football fans, uh, even though you're wearing the pitch shirt, they probably know you're from your NFL career. You're the head coach of the Bears, head coach of the Dolphins. You're a, a studio analyst for uh, NFL for Fox now. But looking back, you really had an amazing uh, college career, over 20 years total as a player, graduate assistant, assistant coach, head coach. I count that you've played or coached in 14 bowl games. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Were you aware of that? I, uh, you know, one, one time I think somebody brought that to my attention, but uh, yeah, I've pretty much covered all of them. I mean, I was sitting down one time, we were having a discussion about different bowl games and it was like, the guy said, boy, how about that uh, sugar bowl? I said, yeah, I was there. And he said, what about that uh, Fiesta bowl? I said, yeah. He said, what about that independence bowl? Yeah, I was there. So, I mean, it's, uh, um, I'm probably showing my age or at least my coaching, 40 years of coaching will do that to you, Nick. Yeah, well, you started out as a player at Pitt for Johnny Majors in the early 70s. Yep. You got a chance to play in the Fiesta Bowl uh, in 1974, I think it was. Then uh, then Coach Majors gave you the opportunity to be a graduate assistant from 75 to 78, where Pitt would go 3-1 and one in bowls, including a national championship in 77, uh, Sugar Bowl over Georgia. Tell me about those early years in coaching and your experiences going to those bowl games. Well, you know, for... I, the Fiesta Bowl was fantastic because Pitt had been down for so many years, and that was Coach Major's first year. And uh, Tony D Dorsett, I still call him Dorsett, he was uh, he was a freshman, and uh, and I was Coach Major's first captain that year. And we went out to uh, the Fiesta Bowl. Now think about the Fiesta Bowl today, and and Frank Cush was the coach then, and Danny White was their quarterback, and uh, the stadium was, was sold out. Uh, and it had 35,000 people. So uh, it was a great experience. We had a heck of a time. I mean, it was uh, that was my first bowl game as a player, and, uh, and Coach Majors did it right. I mean, we had all the activities, and the Fiesta Bowl had a bunch of events, so it was a great start. And then as a coach, you mentioned a couple of the places. Uh, I'll tell you what was fun. I mean, I've been in national championship games as a coach. You know, Miami, Pitt, you mentioned that. Uh, Fiesta Bowl against Penn State, but also was part of when we went to Oklahoma State. People lose sight of this. We played in the first Independence Bowl, and uh, we went down there to Shreveport. I think we were we won seven games. I believe it was that year, seven and four. We were playing eleven games, and uh, Gary Kubiak was a quarterback for uh, for Texas A and M. So you know, I, I've seen both. I've been on both sides of it. The, and, and then obviously, the, I'll tell you what was as good as any. When I went to USC and we, we won and we went to the Rose Bowl and we played Ohio State. And I had heard about the Rose Bowl and I had been to, you know, the Orange Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and on and on. But I'll tell you what, the Rose Bowl was, was unbelievable. It really was. I mean, it was an event that um, – a lot of great memories. I brought all my family and friends out from uh, from Pittsburgh, and we had a had a great time. Now you mentioned Coach Johnson. You, you met him when he joined the Pitt staff in '77, and you yep. you seem to have forged a lifelong friendship and a professional bond with him. Uh, what is what has Coach Johnson meant to you in your life? Well, he's kind of been like the big brother that I never had. You know, I mean, we were assistants together, as you mentioned, Nick, and then. Uh, uh, you talk about being a good recruiter now. We know that's critical for college. So he gets the Oklahoma State job. And at that time at Pitt, Jackie Sherrill was the head coach. And I could have stayed at Pitt. 
and we had you green and Ricky Jackson and Dan Marino coming in and, and Jimbo covert. And, you know, this was the team that, and Jimmy convinced me to leave Pittsburgh and go to Stillwater, Oklahoma with him who was on probation. And I think we had maybe 35 guys on scholarship at the time. I mean, it was, and, uh, but it was a, it was a great experience. And if you want to find out that if you really want to be a coach, sometimes you got to step out and jump in the water and with both feet and see what happens. Now you, you left Oklahoma state, you mentioned uh, USC for a few years, but then you rejoined coach Johnson at the university of Miami in 1986. You'd win two orange bowls there, including the 1987 national title. What do you remember yep. about those two great Orange Bowl wins against Oklahoma and Nebraska? I know that Nebraska game was the last game you and Jimmy coached together for the Hurricanes. Yeah, well, the first one, the first Orange Bowl, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was in our backyard. We're from Miami, so we're right there. So we really, half of our players, and I know our line coach, Tony Wise, just stayed in his apartment, you know. So it was almost kind of like a home game for us. It was in the old Orange Bowl, where at that time we played all of our home games. And uh, Oklahoma ran the wishbone, you know, with Barry Switzer. And it was such a different, obviously, offense than what you see all year long. And it wasn't just getting ready for a new offense. But I remember how good they were, obviously. You know, they're, they're playing for the championship. And it was Keith Jackson and J.C. Watts and, and on and on the names. So uh, Brian Bosworth, you know, so, I mean, it was a they had a great team, too. And, uh, you know, that game, uh, uh, you know, that really was, was something that, um, you know, and then our starting middle linebacker couldn't play. So we were starting a new middle linebacker. So we had our, as we always did at Miami, we had our share of uh, adversity that we had to overcome to, uh, to win that game. But just the feeling of it. And I'll tell you what, when the game was over, we went to, out on the beach in Miami and myself and a bunch of the coaches and sat there until the sun came up. And it was a great, great night and day. Now, the second not- one, though, I, I got a comment on the second one. So then the next year, we, uh, so we win the national championship. So the next year, we lose to Notre Dame by one point when we went for two. That's famous convicts versus Catholic games. So now it, it was, it was uh, West Virginia and Notre Dame at the end of the year, and we were third. We're playing Nebraska, Turner Gillen Company. And we didn't know it was going to be our last game. But beginning of that year, Buddy Ryan was the head coach of the Eagles. And Buddy wanted to come down and, and work out one of our players. God bless him, you know, Jerome Brown, maybe the greatest player I ever coached. And so Buddy comes down. So uh, Jimmy and I were talking. I said, boy, you know, I don't know hardly anything about that bear defense that they ran in Chicago. So Jimmy and Buddy are talking. He says, hey, would you spend some time with our – let's just – we want to talk about the bear defense. So Buddy spends the whole afternoon. And we're all in there. Jimmy's in and we're – so now we got to figure out when we're using it. Well, keep in mind, you know, we had the a philosophy that let's not get bored. And, and you know, we, we lost one game – you know, the whole time I was there, regular season by one point. So we weren't really looking to change. So now we got this bare defense package. So the whole year we're, tr- we're figuring out when are we going to unleash this thing? Because we had practiced it in training camp. We practiced it in spring practice. We go through the whole year. And we, we never use it. So now we've got extra time. We're going to play Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. 
So we put the bear defense in and they weren't ready for it. And they couldn't handle it. So here's the story. So we're getting ready to go halftime. I always sat in the press box. It was me and Dave Campo. Butch Davis was always on the field. And then we had another graduate coach on the field. And, and they, they were having a tough time, just to say the least. And, and uh, Campo leans over to me. He says, hey, do you know who the halftime entertainment is today? The Orange Bowl. And I said, no idea. And he says, it's your favorite group, the Temptations. I said, you're kidding me. So I click on the headset. I said, hey, Jimmy. I says, I can come down there at halftime, but I really don't have anything to tell these guys. I mean, I don't think they'll score on us. Uh, you know, and he, I said, so the time I get down there and through the crowd and, and talk to the defense, I says, Butch, Butch and I have been talking and he knows exactly what to do. There's, you know, I, it, it's going to be a mess in the time to get, he says, well, if you think that, then you want to, I said, yeah, I just shouldn't stay up here. He says, okay, fine. <laughs> so can't, I said to camps, get out here and get some food, man. See what these media people have up here in the press box. So he brings back some food and the temptations are playing and we're, we're my girl. We're kind of going back and forth. Well, Bob Trumpy and uh, Don Cricky are doing the game and they walk by and they stick their head in and we're in there eating and kind of going with the beat and, and uh, Trumpy and I'm good friends. So Trump calls me out and says, can I talk to you a minute? I said, yeah. He says, Everything okay? I said, what do you mean? He says, you didn't get fired at halftime, did you? I said, no. I said, but, you know, we, and he says, and he, for years, I saw, whenever I would see Don Cricky and those guys, I'm talking about way, 10 years later, the first thing they brought up, they said, that was the craziest thing. You know, I said, well, we were pretty confident and we were, uh, we were pretty good. And I think, I don't know what the final score was, 31 to three. They might've scored a touchdown. I, I don't think they did, but uh, yeah. So that. That, that, that was a bold story that uh, probably will never be duplicated again. Now. I guess not. That, that sounds like a story that only could happen at the University of Miami. First of all. And, I, <laughs> and, then Jimmy, and then Jimmy gets a uh, Cowboys job and we leave. That, so that was our last game. We all coached together at the, at, at the U. Well, you mentioned going to the Cowboys. You know, you were, you were head coach for the Bears, head coach for the Dolphins. But then you came back uh, back to college uh, as the head coach of your alma mater, the Pitt Panthers. That's where you and I got got a chance to know each other. Uh, you you had a I I thought a great run there in the 2009 season. Uh, you went to the Meineke Car Care Bowl in yep. Charlotte, played North Carolina, and an old friend who you mentioned, Butch Davis, who worked uh, with you at Miami and with the Cowboys. You guys won the game, 1917. That was your tenth win. Uh, I don't think Pitt had uh, 10 wins in a season for a while before that. They may not have had that since, but that's another story. Uh, right. I imagine there are many times when you score off against old friends in big games or a bowl game. Does it even matter to you uh, that you're playing against a friend? Do you have to adjust the way you do things because the two of you know each other so well? Well, you know, what was unique about that game and they were talented. They had Robert Quinn and they had uh, the receiver. They had about 10 guys going to go to the NFL too. And we had Dion Lewis, uh, we had Jabal Sheard, uh, Jonathan Baldwin. So we, there was a lot of talent on the field with both teams. But the funny thing was, now Butch Davis and I were together in Oklahoma State, University of Miami, Dallas Cowboys. So we were together like 12 years, okay? And, and golfed together, our wiser friends. So, I mean, we knew each other pretty good. So it was comical because they were watching the tape and we're watching their tape, it's the same defense. It's the same adjustments. It's the same offense. 
And it was a little bit hilarious. So when we went to a function that they had uh, where both teams were there, Butch and I were laughing and saying, you know, this is just going to be the team that doesn't make mistakes because we, uh, you know, I, I knew with Butch knew me. He knew what blitzes I liked in the red zone in certain situations. I knew him. So it was really kind of a unique game. And, uh, uh, yeah, we ended up kicking the field goal at the end. It could have gone either way and, and win it. But it was a great experience for us. Donna. We went to a high school, and, and we had practice fields, and the weather was good. So getting out of Pittsburgh at that time, and uh, it was outstanding. Let me ask you another question about the bowl game experience in general. The average fan turns on the TV for three hours in December. They watch, you know, what they might think is another game. Now, these teams, you know, these teams go for five or six day trip. You're there with your friends, your teammates. It's a reward for a successful season. Tell us as a coach, do you have any personal bowl stories uh, on or off the field that made uh, other, other, other than you watching the temptations that made the bowl experience really <laughs> memorable for you? Well, you know, I, I made lifelong friends. I mean, I remember Bernie. I can't remember his last name now with the Sumble. Bernie Olivas. Uh, yeah. Bernie Olivas. I mean, you know, we became friends, and I would see him year-round, and I had a lot of friends. In fact, I got – I was influential in getting Brady Quinn, you know, Eric Pons, the, you know, who heads up the Orange Bowl. You know Eric. Eric, yep. Eric, Eric and I are good – good friends. He comes to Chicago. We, we go out to dinner, you know, and we get down there. Jan, my wife has gone to some tennis things and he, he'll get us hooked up down there. Uh, and so I got Brady Quinn. I went and spoke to the orange bowl thing just because of friends, you know, and that's what I mentioned about Bernie. And I took Brady with me. I said, you live in Fort Lauderdale. You need to get involved in this. And within six months or a year, Brady Quinn, all of a sudden is a, a member of the orange bowl committee. So I would look at it and we did great things. I, I think the way the bowl set it up for our, our listeners, there's always something that our team does by themselves special. For the most part, there's something that both teams do together, which is always a fun thing, a neat thing. And then there's always something that the team does for the community, you know, whether it's a hospital visit or something. So you're, you're, you're covering a lot in a week, but it's all good, healthy stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, in, in the relationships that you make, like I mentioned, Bernie and those guys. And years after that, I'd run into those guys and we would talk stories and uh, and so forth and so on. And I, I, I tell you what, when I was when I was doing college football for Fox, I would go out to the Fiesta Bowl Follies thing that they had every year out there in Arizona. And uh, the people were from the Fiesta Bowl going way back because I played in it and coached in it. They wouldn't excuse me, they'd invite me and Jan out and we even, and we would go out there and see all the coaches and, and bowl people and be kind of be part of it. So I I've had some uh, lifelong experiences. It's just not the game. I mean, they, they, all these bowls, I think in their own right do, you know, whatever they can do to really uh, make it a special ex experience on and off the field. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's one of the things we try to emphasize in this podcast is, you know, how meaningful these bowl games are yeah. they're, and they're all so meaningful to, to the people who participate in, in them. They don't all have to be for the national championship. I don't think college football right. is set up that way. It's, it's only, only so many people can be in that mix every year, but the lifelong experiences that these people have in the, in the 40, 43 bowl games now is pretty special. And, 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 no question, Nick. And you know, the other thing too, it was even when we didn't play in the, major bowls okay it was a great time for our alumni to be part of it you know what i mean because during the season you're, you're not seeing them much but when we go to the bowl game 
it didn't matter Oklahoma State, whichever bowl game, all of a sudden you, you get the alumni that are really supporting the team and really all in. And they come down and they would be around the hotel and around the players and attending these events for a whole week. So I always liked that because I didn't didn't have as much time to spend with them when I was the head coach of Pitt. But now all of a sudden the alums are down there and you're seeing them during the day and you, you grab a coffee with them or a drink with them or they're an event. And and I thought that it was a special time for for the alumni too to, to kind of be part of the team. Dave, uh, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Those are great stories. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, and we'll see you soon. Okay, Nick. Anytime, buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break and be right back with Cure Bowl Executive Director Alan Gooch. Stay with us. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of bowl season. Nothing compares to the power and excitement of live events. Ticket Smarter is the smarter way to buy tickets for live events like sports, concerts, and theater. Visit TicketSmarter.com or download the app today. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. And as we wrap up the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, as we always observe and uh, honor survivors in October, we welcome a man who works on breast cancer awareness and research 365 days of the year as executive director of the Cure Bowl in Orlando. Alan Gooch's bowl is dedicated to this uh, important uh, outreach in our community. Alan, we welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you, Angela and Nick. Hey, Alan. You know, uh, it's really amazing what you guys are doing. You know, the Orlando Sports Foundation raises funds for cancer research, sponsors the Cure Bowl, uh, played each December in Orlando. Uh, since your game's inception in 2015, you all have raised $3.8 million to support cancer research through Breast Cancer Research Foundation. $1.2 million of the funds have directly benefited the UCF College of Medicine's Cancer Research Center. Tell us more about the great work you guys do. Well, thanks, Nick. That uh, And Angela, that, that right there in a nutshell is... Uh, you know, what we've been able to do collectively, but it, it truly is an honor to work with these women um, and, and men that are supporting. And a lot of people don't know that uh, there, there are men that do, um, are diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, we actually have uh, a, a, a man, uh, Zach Yarborough, that is uh, a part of our group that is very active on his on his social media about his battle, but we have a collective. It takes an army to do this, as you know, uh, to do any bowl, you know, and I, I'm always amazed at uh, all the, all the 41 bowls in the U S that, that, uh, that happened during bowl season. Uh, we are one of those, all of them have uh, charity partners and, and uh, that they work with. Of course, we are a little different where we put it out front. And uh, as Angela said, we are 365, 24, seven, working to uh, raise mon money and funds for cancer research. Um, it, we, we're just, it's, it's an honor to work with the, the people that we work with um, to, uh, to get to this point. Now, I know UCF has been a huge part of your life. You went to school there, uh, you, you, you coached there starting in 1983, you were there for 21 years. What was the best part of coaching at your alma mater? You know, uh, that right there, uh, it, having the opportunity to coach, coach at your alma mater, and that's the only spot that I coached. Uh, and uh, I, and there were times I, I just I don't think I could ever imagine myself wearing another shirt other than a UCF night shirt. 
And uh, fortunately for my career, that's that's where I got to be. Uh, my wife is actually still there and uh, and coaching uh, in the athletic department. But uh, what what it was uh, probably what was so memorable is uh, you know I actually played there as a as a player as well when it was a Division two program. I don't want to be posing myself as a Division one football player, but I was a Division two football player there. Then started coaching when it was Division two, but it was always our plan to go from Division two to one AA to one A, and to be a part of that. And actually, uh, when UCF had its only opportunity to play Alabama at Alabama, we beat the Alabama Crimson Tide back in the day. And to see you know where it was when it was a division two program to go to that point to be at the university of Alabama at their spot. You know, we knew we were doing some special things in a special place and it, it was just, uh, uh, just amazing to be a part of that. Yeah. I'm sure it's been fun for you to watch that, that program and that university evolve over the years, yeah. probably not as much fun though, as, as meeting your, your wife there. Uh, she was the uh, cheerleading coach. Uh, I'm guessing she's still uh, one of your biggest cheerleaders. Uh, she is. You know, yours is the type of role where family really matters and the support you get from them is so important. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I, and there's no doubt about it. Um, I uh, certainly outputted my punt coverage when I uh, recruited Linda and uh, back in the day. And uh, we've poured our lives into UCF and she's also helped uh, pour uh, our lives into the Cure Bowl. Um, you know, when we started this thing, she's, she's a big part of it. You know, we talk about UCF and the bowl bit bowl season and the bowl business daily. I mean, it's, it, you know, it doesn't matter what time of year it, it always comes up in conversation. And we, we really have had a great time uh, and spending our, our lives doing this and uh, just can't imagine uh, not being involved in college football, either one of us. So I, I think, I think a lot of people know this story, but, but many also don't. You just told me this story last week when we were together in Orlando you gained national attention in 1997 when you learned sign language in order to communicate with Dwight Collins, a, a deaf running back for UCF. Uh, you were named the FBS Assistant Coach of the Year, and you, uh, and you two even were honored at the ESPY Awards, in which Collins received the Most Courageous Player Award. How rewarding was that entire season? Tell us that story. Yeah, great story. You know, Dwight Collins, uh, Dwight and I still stay in contact. Uh, he is... Uh, just an outstanding individual. You know, he uh, did not see himself as having a disability. Uh, he certainly didn't play like it, uh, played with a lot of passion, uh, loved the game in college football. And uh, we stretched each other. You know, he, he, uh, he forced me basically for us to have an opportunity to recruit him. You know, I committed to learning sign language. And uh, so he, he forced me to, uh, uh, you know, to grow in, in a way that I never expected. And um, it was uh, it was just an amazing time. You know, it was really it was great. It was special, obviously, uh, to 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 have that opportunity and for both of us to work because Dwight had to learn a new sign language. As we all know, you you watch college football or, or in the NFL, you have the opportunity to communicate from the microphone to the helmet, but in college football, you still have to signal in plays. And uh, so uh, where I was learning Dwight's language, American Sign Language, he actually had to come in early and learn our sign language, which was all of our signals. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, we had a great time. Uh, it a uh, very special time and, and still, still a great relationship. Now, besides all the great work that the Orlando Sports Foundation and the Cure Bowl 
uh, does for cancer research. What are some of the goals you have for the bowl game itself? How's it grown over the, the five years it's been in existence? And Nick, we, you know, we like other bowls, uh, we're just honored to give student athletes another postseason opportunity. You know, uh, it's just, uh, it's great to be able to offer them that opportunity. Certainly if you're coming from the North to come to Orlando this time in December, it's a you know, great time of year. We keep our, our players on property at Universal. Um, so we have, we have a great relationship with Universal Studios and they have a, uh, they, they get to have an outstanding time. They get to go to the park. Um, the, the practice locations are very close. Uh, they have an opportunity to do um, uh, city walk. And so we're just uh, honored to be able to offer student athletes that postseason bowl opportunity. And it's so important for so many, you know, I, I, over the years, you know, you, you've just heard, we, you know, we have both, we have uh, NFL scouts at the game and, and so those student athletes that are still working to try to take football to the next level into the NFL, um, you know, it is a very important thing to have that one more time on film uh, against a worthy opponent. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you just said, Alan. These games and these opportunities are so important for these student athletes. I think about the seniors, you know, the you know, 95, 99% of them are not going to the NFL. This is the last football game they're ever going to play in their life. You know, and, and I actually I actually referenced your game last year is as, as kind of the real the, the model for this this conversation. Right. You had Liberty against Coastal Carolina. I think it was one of the best games of all of bowl season. It was so meaningful for those two teams, for those yeah. universities, for those fan bases. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people who aren't educated about how meaningful bowl games are uh, might might. Uh, might not understand how important they are. And, and, and we need to, I think we need, it's all of our job to do a better uh, job educating the media and others to say, you know, it's okay that every bowl game doesn't factor into the national championship picture because college football is just not set up that way. Uh, right. The playoff will never be big enough to accommodate all the deserving teams in college football and your game and a lot of others really provide that meaningful experience those lifelong memories for these these student athletes and i know you and all the other executive directors are very proud of filling that role for them absolutely nick and we certainly appreciate your leadership in doing that i i think the bowl season uh, branding is uh is it's just awesome you know it's the march madness of, of college football and the beauty of march madness is that it is in, involves so many and you you have that opportunity to have the cinderella story and so uh, where, you know, I, I would not mind because I am a big fan of March Madness of seeing the college playoff expand a little bit. That's OK. But you're always going to look to your point. You're always going to need these other bowls. And it, and it sets the stage for the next year. In fact, uh, nobody wants to go out, you know, with that that loss. But, you know, everybody somebody will right at some point. Uh, but the bowls enable a lot of teams to to go out on with a win. And, and that's that's great to be able to roll into that type of recruiting and uh, to finish up. So, yeah, I just can't see it ever not, not happening. And uh, like, like you said that, uh, you know, it's just so important to give just the student at, not only the student athletes, but the university themselves and, and being able to host uh, 
two top 20 teams for the Cure Bowl last year, our first opportunity at that. And thank you for, you know, ESPN and our partnership with Clint Overby and ESPN played an important role there. But we were so excited to have that. So I appreciate your reference in the game to have, uh, you know, a number 17 and number 12 in your game and they're battling. And uh, it, it just, it was a great game over time, the whole thing. So speaking of matchups, this is my last question for you, Alan. Uh, we're all, you know, we're, we're in this business together. We're at that point in the season. There's 30 uh, teams with six wins who have punched their ticket to bowl season. A, a lot more to come. I know this is the time of year you start looking and saying, who, you know, who's going to play in our game. Any predictions for this year's Cure Bowl matchup? Sure. Happy to make a prediction. Uh, you know, we, we have a scout team, uh, like a lot of bulls that, that go out and they're very passionate about what they do. And we we're actually getting our mid season reports and um, you know, we collectively, we would love to see the UCF Knights stay home and play uh, here at Exploria stadium against app state and Appalachian state is uh, a Sunbelt team that has never been to the cure bowl. And uh, we think it would be a great matchup. One, it's it's amazing that UCF and App State have never played, um, especially through the one double A era when both teams were were in, were in the playoffs from time to time. We just never had an opportunity to play. But I think that would be a great matchup. And another big reason we want to get the Knights in it one more time. They did play in our game in 2016, and you may remember after that game they went undefeated. You know, in fact, for two seasons. Uh, that was their uh, that was their last loss for for two seasons, but uh, as you know, in the college football world, knows the University of Central Florida UCF Knights are moving on to the Big Twelve, and so this will we don't have a Big Twelve matchup in our game, so uh, we need to get UCF in one more time to the Cure Bowl to help raise money for cancer research. Um, yeah, we need the Knights one more time. Yeah. Alan, I love that answer. You're the first executive director to take the bait and give an answer. So <laughs> UCF against App State in the Cure Bowl. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, we love all of our teams, you know, and that's right. There are a lot of people are not going to take the bait there, but uh, we're we're all about raising money for cancer research and feel like at this time, you know, that would give us the best opportunity to do that. The Cure Bowl is scheduled for Friday, December 17th at 6 p.m. Eastern time at Exploria Stadium in Orlando, Florida. The game will be broadcast on ESPN2. Thanks, Alan, for being on the show. Really appreciate your time. Good luck this bowl season. All right, Nick. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.